Welcome back. We're doing a series right now going through the fruit of the Spirit. Let me read the two verses, we'll pray, and then we'll get to work. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now for your help as we open your word together, and we pray, God, that you would, by your Spirit, fill each of us and produce in us this beautiful fruit for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're looking at peace. Peace is this incredible reality that God is inviting us to experience. Now, it's a big deal in the Bible. I didn't realize it until this week while I was studying for this teaching. But almost every New Testament letter in the Bible begins with a call to peace. And furthermore, a lot of them actually have a benediction in the middle or end that actually pronounces a blessing of peace on the churches. So let me just show it to you. I'm going to stack up a bunch of the references just so you kind of feel the weight of the significance of this reality. So these are all the introductions to the letters to the churches and all of these are calling for, in some fashion, they're calling for peace. So listen, here they are. Romans 1.7, 1 Corinthians 1.3, 2 Corinthians 1.2, Galatians 1.3, Ephesians 1.2, Philippians 1.2, Colossians 1.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.2, 1 Timothy 1.2, 2 Timothy 1.2, Titus 1.4, Philemon verse 3, 1 Peter 1.2, 2 John verse 3, 3 John verse 15, Jude verse 2, and Revelation 1.4. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, there's this call for the people of God to experience the peace of God. So it is a big deal. And here we find it in Galatians 5 being explained as the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. So let's look at it this, this week under four different headings, okay? And we're gonna jump all over the place, so we'll put verses up on the bottom of the screen. But let's look at this idea of peace under four different headings. So the first thing that I want to show you is that peace is a work of God. Um, peace is a work of God in the sense that God is the one who performs it. God is the one who initiates it. God is the one who produces it. In fact, we could even say God is our peace. So listen, listen to Ephesians 2 verses 13 and 14, where it's describing this peace that we have on account of the work of God. It says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He, Christ, He Himself, is our peace. You see, this is a work of God. In fact, it is the work of the Son of God, and we could even say it like this, He is our peace. He's the one who is reconciling us back into a right relationship with God the Father. So we were once far away, 
Now we've been brought near. This is through the blood of Jesus Christ, and therefore He is our peace. This is a work of God, and one of the primary aspects of it is that we are being reconciled. You see, we had hostility before, we had estrangement before, we had separation before, but on account of Jesus Christ, now we are being brought back together with our Maker. Therefore, He is our peace. Peace is a work of God, and that fundamental aspect of it is that God is doing that work to see that we are being restored into the right way that we were meant to live. So now listen to Romans 5.1. It's, it's again describing this work of God, but it's saying, Therefore, since we have just been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is a work of God, and this is kind of the foundational element of it. The peace of God is the work of Christ, or is Christ Himself, but what it is doing is it's producing this relationship being restored with God the Father. We're justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have this peace, your soul is troubled. I remember St. Augustine in his book Confessions where he's writing out his prayers to God. He puts it like this. He says, you God have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. There's something about the human experience, because we were made by God and for God, that until we are restored to Him, there is an absence of peace. There is a restlessness in us. But what Jesus has come to do is to restore us to the Father, therefore creating peace. So peace, fun fundamentally, is a work of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, the second heading that I want you to see is that not only is peace a work of God, but that peace then that we have with God the Father then begins to produce in us this inner peace. It's a state of being. That's the second heading that I've got down here. Peace is a state of being. So, you are restored into a right relationship with God, and then you begin to start feeling this quiet confidence within you. Now, lately I've been reading a biography of Jeremiah Burroughs. He was a pastor in, in London and in other places throughout the course of his life. Uh, but he was a Puritan pastor and he was leading people through a variety of different circumstances, uh, including a season when he was, uh, had to run from his position for his own safety and for the future of his ministry. And he returns to London and he led people through a time of civil war. As London was going through a civil war, he was preaching and teaching. And one of the sermons that he gave at that point was trying to help the people of God uh, experience that peace. And um, in fact, the title of his biography is called A Life of Gospel Peace. His biographer and others, his contemporaries, they all knew him as a man of a peaceful disposition who had a ministry of peacemaking and uh, it's very appropriate then that his biography would be titled uh, A Life of Gospel Peace. So he's, he's preaching to his congregation that's going through civil war and everyone's kind of up in arms and he's saying the people of God should experience the peace of God on their interior. 
and therefore they should be able to wait confidently on God himself. And he said it like this uh, in his sermon. He said, if your heart is now in a state of mutiny, a great deal of stir, cry silence to your heart that your heart and thoughts may be composed. There should be a settled, composed frame of spirit in the hearts of the men and women of God in times of extremity. So what Burroughs was suggesting is that the people of God can go through these chaotic moments, these culturally charged moments where there's hostility and division and hatred and malice and strife, but the people of God have this inner disposition of peace. We shouldn't be disquieted in a moment like this. We shouldn't be disturbed in a moment like this. We should be waiting patiently on the Lord himself. And we have this inner disposition of peace that God is producing in us that makes us calm in times of anxiety and composed in times of strife and conflict. Now, this is very relevant for us, is it not? I mean, we're going through a season in the life of our nation at the time that we're producing these videos where there's a lot of hostility and there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of division and strife and malice. The people of God in a moment like this have to embrace the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. And we have to believe that that can produce in us this inner confidence and this inner quietness. And that reality is not something that we can muster up on our own, but it is in fact a supernatural reality. So let's look at it in Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Paul is writing to a church that he helped to start and then he took off from there and he's writing to them but he at this point he's incarcerated and he's writing to this church in Philippi that's actually uh, experiencing persecution and difficulty and hardship and deprivation okay so he's writing to them from a situation of, of incarceration and they're reading it in a situation of hardship and here's what he says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, here's what he's saying. This peace of God does not make sense if evaluated from a natural point of view. If you're looking at the circumstances, it doesn't make sense to have quiet confidence when you're in either of those situations. But when you're a follower of Christ, you have the peace of God residing in your heart. So you can be in a church that's experiencing persecution and hardship and difficulty and deprivation and you can experience peace because you are praying to God, you're bringing your, your request to God, you're offering thanksgiving and your prayers to God, and God is gifting you with His peace that transcends understanding. Or you could be incarcerated and your reputation could be threatened in disrepair, and your physical well-being could be in question, and your future could be in jeopardy, and you could be writing a letter that is full of joy to a people who are experiencing conflict. None of that makes sense apart from the work of God. But there is a peace of God that can reside on our interior that gives us peace. 
And so we want this. We want this state of being. We want to be the people who are known for our quiet confidence in God, come what may. But let's think for a moment about the opposite of this. What's the flip side to experiencing peace on the inside? Well, its opposite is chaos. It's division. It's malice and hatred and strife and envy and jealousy and all these different things that are so easily provoked in moments like this. And uh, when you begin to kind of unearth like what is causing all of that chaos and division and malice and hatred and all those other things, it's really, it's really pride. Pride is at the root of a lot of the conflict that we're experiencing because pride is saying, I want things my way, and if they're not going my way, then I am provoked. If things aren't going my way, then I'm going to quarrel. If things aren't happening how I imagine they should happen, then I'm going to retaliate. So that should not be the posture of believers right now, no matter what's going on. We should actually be the people who no matter what is going on in society or in culture or in our world, we should be the people who are known for our peaceful disposition. So is that true of you? Is that true of me? Lately, I've been reflecting on my own soul and the fruit of the Spirit in it, and I'm praying that God would produce in me peace. But um, if I'm being honest, there's a lot of inner turmoil. There are a lot of things in me that are contrary to the way of the Spirit. And so I'm praying, God, fill me with your Spirit so I can navigate these moments with gospel peace. All right, well, the third heading is that peace is a calling. Peace is a calling in the sense that it's the Christian vocation. It's what we are called to be and do and experience. So, it's a calling. Let's look at a few verses that kind of outline this for us. In 1 Corinthians 7.15, we're told, um, God has called us to live in peace. Now, in that particular verse, it's talking about a marriage relationship. But it expands well beyond that. Listen to Romans 12, 18, where it says this, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so it's a calling that God has given us that is actually meant to extend to everybody. You are meant to live at peace, as far as it depends on you, with everyone that you encounter. Now listen to it. Uh, from Colossians 3.15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Over and over and over again, and I could build that list out even further, the Bible is telling us that peace is the calling of the believer. We are called to live in peace. We're, we're called not only to live in it, but we're called to participate in it. When Jesus was giving his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and following, 5 to 7, he gives this list of the Beatitudes. Well, listen to this one. This is Matthew 5, 9. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So not only are you called to this vocation of peace, you're called to participate in it. 
Blessed are those who are making peace. Why? Because they're behaving like their Father in heaven. They will be called children of God. We get to participate in peacemaking. What a beautiful invitation. But not only can we participate in it, it's our future destination. If you look at the Bible storyline and you think about what, what is the Bible about? What is God ultimately doing in this world? And you trace out the progress of redemption. You find at the front end of the Bible, there is a separation on account of sin. That humanity turns from God and their relationship with God then is severed. And then you find that that affects everything else. It affects relationship within humanity. Adam and Eve are in conflict. They have children and those children are in conflict on account of sin. There's hatred and envy and jealousy and Cain murders Abel and then on and on and on. People are hating and murdering one another and there's, a, there's just a lot of strife and a lot of conflict. But if, as you trace out the storyline of the Bible, you find this story of redemption which is the story of God undoing the effects of sin. He is, through Jesus Christ, reconciling all things to himself. He's reconciling individuals to a right relationship, and then he's reconciling individuals to one another, and he's reconciling uh, that community of faith into a right relationship with creation itself. He's making all things right again. So that by the end of the Bible, you find the city of God coming down from heaven with God himself there and it is it would be appropriate to call it the city of peace because the healing of the nations are present in that city according to Revelation 22 so that is the future destination of our calling that we're going to live in harmony with God and with each other and with the world for all of eternity well you might not believe me so let me show it to you from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 32, the prophet speaks about a day in the future where this comes true. And he puts it together like this. He says, there's a day coming where the Spirit of God is poured out from on high, and the result of that will be peace. And the people of God will experience that peace forever. Let me show it to you. Isaiah 32, verses 15 to 18. He, he puts it like this. The Spirit is poured on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness lives in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Okay, do you hear this? Is picking up all these different concepts. The Spirit is producing the fruit of peace. So the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effects will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. This is the Christian message. This is the hope to which we profess and cling to. The reality of the Spirit of God being poured out from on high, producing the fruit of righteousness, which is peace, and this peace will last forever. We will have quiet, quietness and confidence forever, living in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, and undisturbed places of rest. Man, it's beautiful, is it not? I mean, this is the calling that we have. We have this incredible calling to experience 
the peace of God forever. Well, that peace is not only meant to be kind of an idea or an experience, but it's also meant to be experienced in relationship. The fourth point that we have here is that peace is a relational reality. So if you have peace with God and if you have an inner peace within yourself, that peace should begin to spill over into your relationships. Now we've said this over and over again as we've looked at a variety of different verses. So let me just show you one more. This is Hebrews 12, 14. It reads like this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Sounds very familiar to that uh, Romans 12 verse. But this is a reminder that we get to display that peace within the context of our relationships. And so I wanna invite you to consider what does that look like for you today? What does it look like for you to pursue peace in the midst of relationships and especially in the midst of a season of conflict and discord and strife? How could people see and experience you in a way that actually results in their feeling that peace of God through you? Well, Jeremiah Burroughs, again, uh, he was a person of conviction and, and he was also a person who was willing to hold convictions that weren't held by everybody else. And he was part of a group that, um, actually he was a part of the Westminster Divines that uh, created the Westminster uh, confession of faith and the catechisms. Um, but he was a part of that group of the Westminster divines that had contrary opinions to the majority. And holding those opinions actually got him in hot water. And one of the other gentlemen actually critiqued him quite severely and took the reputation of Burroughs and really trashed it in a lot of different ways. And and Burroughs was, you know, because he was this man of gospel peace, he was like, look, I will, I will suffer whatever this individual wants to say of me for the sake of, you know, promoting peace. I'm not going to engage in this. I'm not going to, you know, get involved in this uh, unnecessary conflict. But as time progressed and more and more people encouraged him, he finally wrote a response and he did it in the form of a published work. But when he wrote the response, he put this in there toward the end of his work. Burroughs said it like this. He said, we have but a little time to live. Shall the greater part of it know? Why should any part of it be lived out in contentions and quarrels? Church family, we don't have a lot of time. So why would we want to waste a bunch of our time and energy on quarrels? We, we, that shouldn't be our business. We should desire that the fruit of the Spirit producing peace in us would result in peace in the midst of our relationships. Burroughs goes on to say this, let us all study peace, seek peace, follow peace, pursue peace, and the God of peace be with us. So let's let our relationships be marked by our pursuit of peace. May you experience the fruit of the Spirit which is peace. Amen.